Good morning, everybody. It's the end of another good week. It's Friday. It's a beautiful Friday, and it's a good day in God's Word. If you're uh, with me, we're in Psalm 72, 73. Uh, my name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church. We call this 10 with Tim, and I'm so glad that you're with me. Uh, Psalm 72, Psalm 73. We've been in the Psalms for a couple of weeks. Today will be our last day in the Psalms. We're going to do something different on Monday. I'll talk about that in a moment, but let's look at Psalm 72. Y'all know my feelings about the royal Psalms. For a long time, I really struggled with them. Psalm 72 is a royal Psalm. It's about the king. It's a, apparently a Psalm of Solomon, according to the title, uh, which is like, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, I just... It, it, it's a little bit self-serving, Solomon, you know, if you're the king and you write this psalm about the king, you, you know, but um, there's so many reasons why I've struggled with these psalms, primarily because I'm pretty cynical and jaded about, about political leaders. I, I, you should probably know about me. I'm, a, I'm kind of a politics junkie. I read a lot of political news. I don't watch news channels I don't have cable, uh, and I don't watch network news. I'm really home before the network news is on, to be honest. But So I'm not watching television, and I'm not getting my news from, from television. I'm, I'm, I'm reading mostly because uh, I read all the time, and I read a lot of political news, and it just, it just makes me want to never stop throwing up, you know? Uh, I'm very nonpartisan, which means I don't find a home with either political party. Um, as a Christian, I just can't. You know, I, I, I just can't. I'm not saying that you should see what I see or believe what I believe when it comes to politics. I'm just telling you about myself. Uh, I just, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's my generation or what. Um, and, and so I read the, you know, these royal Psalms, you know, that just, you know, say such wonderful things, just praising this political leader. And it turns out this one's written by a political leader, so no surprise there. And that's just me. It's just like, you know, what? But... But I think I told you, my whole idea about the Royal Psalms changed when I just began to read these psalms as a reflection of, of the people and, and their deep desire for godly leadership. People just want good leaders. They want a leader they can believe in. They want a leader they can respect. They want a, a leader that they know is not one person with one group and another person with another group. That They want a leader whose word is reliable, whose reputation is, uh, is about integrity, who, who you know, says what they mean and means what they say. And, and we don't see leaders like that. And, and to be honest, neither did the ancient people of God. So the fact that Psalm 72 speaks and prays so highly for the king, it doesn't mean that their king ever achieved any of this. And in fact, all through Israel's history, they never had a king this good. And it probably is why the psalm is such an earnest prayer. God, you know, help the king. Give us a king who's like this. So, so Psalm 72 gives us a very ideal picture of what a, a king, what a, what a political ruler should look like. And, and, and indeed, this king, this ruler that is described in Psalm 72 has the love, the justice, the righteousness of God himself. So the first thing to recognize is that the, the, the leader is um, supposed to be an agent of God. They're supposed to literally extend God's love, God's justice, God's righteousness, God's fairness to all of God's people, and especially to, especially to the most vulnerable of all. 
So if you really want to, you know, pay attention and see if our leaders are doing a good job, just read through Psalm 72, and, and that will probably help reorient you. In my reading this morning of, of this, I'm convicted because I see I read a lot of political news, and it doesn't help me. It doesn't help me have more faith, hope, and love uh, in the world. Uh, Psalm 72 does. And so I need to be more in the word and less in the political news. That's my confession today and, and, and my commitment. Uh, but just notice how, you know, the, when the psalmist prays for the king, he just says, you know, help him judge your people in the right way. Let the poor always be treated fairly. Over and over in this psalm, there is a special concern that, that, that the, the leadership of the nation um, treat the most vulnerable people fairly, that the, the poor and the children of the poor, uh, the, the needy, those who are oppressed, that, that the king is going to have them on his radar. So when it comes to, you know, like our own country, the measure of a president, the measure of a governor, the measure of a leader uh, is really not you know, how much they do for their party or for their voters, but how much they do for the most vulnerable in our society. How do the poor and the children of the poor fare under their leadership? Psalms you know, zeroes in on the plight of the poor. Uh, and I'm telling you, when I see a political party doing that in the United States, I may join them, you know, but I don't see that. I don't see that whatsoever. Verse 6 compares the, the ruler, the king, to rain. Rain, R-I-A-N, like water falling from the sky, which I love. Rain doesn't create life or, or necessarily bring, you know, anything that necessarily would create life, but... Rain is what lets life flourish, you know? And so leaders can't add anything to my life necessarily, but they can create the environment in which my life can flourish if they would get out of the way, you know? Don't get me started. Um, I like the way the rain falls equally on everybody. It doesn't just rain on, you know, the, the, your donors, you know? Uh, it rains on everybody. Everybody gets the same benefits, the same righteousness and kindness and justice that comes straight from God. If you really want to be convicted, then look over at verse 15. May the people always pray for him. How many times have you said Biden or Trump? You know, how many times have you said their names this week? I mean, some of you probably haven't thought about them at all. God bless you. I wish I could be like that. Um, I, I hope that you say their names more in prayer than in complaining or campaigning or anything else. The psalmist here comes back to man. Let's just pray. Pray for him. Pray for him. We need a leader like this, and we ain't got a leader like this, so we're going to have to pray him into being better, you know. Um, truly, Psalm 72 doesn't really fall into that category of what we call messianic psalms, but it's the kind of psalm that makes people go, man, I hope, man, the Messiah's got to come, you know, because soon the people begin to realize that there is no earthly king who can live up to this standard, only the Messiah, only the, uh, when God himself steps on the throne will we have this kind of ruler, and indeed Jesus is the fulfillment of Psalm 72 and everything else. Jesus is the king who lives up to this standard. I don't, man, I've got two minutes for Psalm 73. I love Psalm 73. Now, I probably have said, you know, 15 times in the last week that this is my favorite psalm, but Psalm 73, and I love Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, but 
Psalm 73, just, you know, like, I get this psalm. I get it. I don't have to stop and think to get it. I get it. This sounds so contemporary. For, it's like he was just watching entertainment tonight. I mean, you know, uh, this dude understands the world. And when I see this dude, Psalm 73 begins a section of the psalms that are all psalms of a musician poet named Asaph. And so there are here, I think, 10 or 11 uh, uh, in a row, psalms that are all by Asaph. I think Psalm 50 earlier was by Asaph. And so there are these, I think, 11 total psalms in the Psalter that are by Asaph. And this is one here, the first of a section of, of 11. He begins with what he knows, and that is, man, God is so good to people whose hearts are pure, you know? Like, I know this. But then there for a while, man, I started doubting it. I mean, you know, who, who is this honest? But man, Asaph just says it out loud. Man, I know that God's good to those who are good, uh, but I'm telling you, I look around the world and I don't see that, you know? Because what I see is wicked, rotten, nasty people out there living life large, you know? Man, they are rock stars on a red carpet, you know? They are despicable. You know, they are selfish. They are stupid. You know, they don't have any real knowledge or intelligence. All they can do is look pretty, but, but they become millionaires. They got their, you know, you know blindingly white teeth and, and naturally curly hair and, you know, washboard abs or whatever, you know. And Asaph just said, it just made me just for there for a while. I thought I was going to lose it, you know, because I want to believe that, Good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people, but that is not the way the world works. You know, I look at the wicked and they're doing pretty good. And Asa says, I, I just I almost gave up on the whole church thing. That's what he says. And then he says, uh, Man, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? You know, you ever been in that situation where you think, man, why am I trying so hard to be good? You know, all the people at work, they're stealing office supplies and taking, you know, you know, hour long smoke breaks, coming in late, leaving early. And I'm here working, you know, my behind off and, you know, and they get raises and promotions. And I'm just, so why am I even trying? Am I being good for nothing? That's what he says in verse 13. Man, I just got trouble all day long. My whole life is a headache. You know, and all the people that live like hell, you know, get to walk around like they're in heaven. And I don't get it. He says, I don't get it. But I knew if I said this out loud, I'd discourage people. So I kept it to myself. And then I, I, I just, I took it to church. <laughs> it's the turning point, verse 17. It's worship is the turning point. I just went into the, I went into the sanctuary of God. I went into God's presence and I, I got a new perspective. Scholars will uh, talk about this poem and how it's structured. And one scholar said it's, it's orientation, disorientation, reorientation. You know what I mean? So he's oriented in the sense that I know that God is good, but then, you know, disoriented. I'm not so sure he is good because I look at the world and the world does not fit that pattern. And then the reorientation. Then I came into God's presence and I remembered, man, this life is short and the wicked people... Like rock stars on a red carpet, man, that red carpet only leads to one place, and it is not, you know, the cover of Vogue, you know, man. Uh, they're, they're getting uh, some rewards in this life, but this life is short and eternity is long, and, and I know that one of these days God's going to rise up and they're going to be gone, you know. 
And then I realized, man, my heart was bitter. I was all torn up inside. And man, man, I was I was being stupid. That's what he says. You know, I was just being stupid because I got you, Lord. I've got you. I belong to you. You know, you hold my right hand. You know, I, I, my God remains the strength of my heart. He's mine forever. I, I, I love that last verse. As for me, it's just good to be near God. You know, Lord, I wouldn't trade you. For all the wealth, I wouldn't trade you for biceps. I wouldn't trade you for liposuction. I wouldn't trade you for any of it, Lord. As for me, I, I must just be close to you, you know? I've made the sovereign Lord my shelter. I'm going to tell everybody about the wonderful things you do. You know, I just love that, y'all. You could call it an individual lament. Some people call it a wisdom psalm because it sounds a little bit, it, it's, a, it's sort of a reflection Sort of like in Ecclesiastes, when he, when he sits back and looks at life and reflects and, and gains wisdom, it sort of sounds like that kind of reflective wisdom writing that would be like Ecclesiastes. So some people call it a wisdom psalm, an individual lament. I don't know what you call it, but I'm telling you, I always, I always go straight to Psalm 73 and think, yeah, man, that is true. That is true. And just so good. Uh, as for me, forget all those people. Forget the Cardassians, you know, forget Tom Brady, whatever. As for me, it's just good to be near God. You know, I'll take it. I'll take it for eternity just to be near God. I love it. Uh, uh, Monday, we're going to start something brand new, you guys. We're going to go, believe it or not, I have held a gospel in my side pocket for all these years, and we're going to go to the Gospel of Mark. We haven't done the Gospel of Mark together. Uh, I saved it so we could come back to Jesus at some point. So we're going to go to the Gospel of Mark on Monday. So Monday, read the first 20 verses of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 20. If you don't have a church home, Woodburn Baptist Church, uh, listen to me on Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, and 11. Please be here. I'm starting a new sermon series this Sunday called The Children of Israel. I've never preached a series like this. I've studied hard, to be honest, because I really wasn't prepared. I started last fall. Uh, honestly, I started right about October when Hamas attacked Israel, and I realized there's so many questions about Israel, um, about the Old Testament of Israel and how they relate to the present you know, secular state of Israel, and what is the church's relationship to the, the people of Israel uh, in the past, in the present, and, and, and especially in the future? What does Paul mean in Romans 9, 10, 11? I mean, I've just sort of taken all those questions and put them down into four sermons. So Sunday sermon is the first sermon in the Children of Israel series. It's called uh, Chosen People. Uh, so uh, join me on Sunday at live, 8, 9, 30, 11, here at Woodburn or here on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you find uh, a church podcast. I love you so much. I'll see you Monday morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock, 10 with 10, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 20. I'll, I'll see you then.